We hope you enjoy this message from Matt Bruce, recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Yes, God, we're so thankful. We are so thankful, Lord. Thankful for who you are and the way that you love us, the way that you lead us, the way that your grace is always sufficient, the way that joy comes every morning to lift us up. God, I thank you for the way you're using this church to minister all over the globe. Lord, this morning we pray into Pastor Will and Desiree as they're over in America. I thank you, Lord, that you're using them there to minister into people's life and to bring people into the family of God. God, I thank you for Jake and Justine and the family as they head to Tonga on a missions trip, Father God, on a medical missions trip to bring healing, to bring restoration to the nation of Tonga, to bring your good news. God, I thank you for what you're doing in Dunedin. I thank you, Lord, that you're healing our city, that you're bringing restoration, that you're bringing joy, that you're bringing your very presence in this place. God, we're excited and expectant for what you're doing. Thank you for choosing us and covering us. In your mighty name, everybody said, amen. So good. You guys can take your seat this morning. Great. Hey, it's so exciting to be here this morning, be here for the second time, and I'm expectant for what God wants to do in the service. I'm nervous, but I'm also expectant. I said in the first service there, as we read in the Bible, it says, whenever they honoured the presence of God, whenever they praised His name, He brought presence to their situation. He was uh, there in their presence. So this morning, we've acknowledged God. We have honoured Him in our praise, and He's here this morning. Awesome. Hey, well, I, start, I wanna start by talking about a slightly contentious topic, the unfinished project, the unfinished project. Perhaps there's someone in your world, and they may be your spouse, just as a warning, and they seem to be the person who always sees potential, but they never produce the finished product. It's like they decide to do a bathroom renovation. You're like, this is going to be awesome. We're going to have a new bathroom but they never get past the planning stage and you still got your old bathroom. Or even worse, you're half, they're halfway through the renovation and they just give up and now you've got a half-renovated bathroom. They saw the potential, but they didn't produce the product, right? I said in the first service about the like veggie garden epitomizes this, right? We're all like, yeah, we're going to produce veggies. We're going to plant it and dig that soil and fertilize it. And man, we're going to have a harvest of yummy, yummy, fresh vegetables. But then it ends up just being one carrot and one potato because you didn't really put the effort in that it took to cultivate a plentiful harvest. In my family, we actually had an incredible veggie patch. But the thing was is that we didn't quite time the planting right or the seasons never worked out so well because it seemed to be that the harvest was always ready when we were on holiday. <laughs> so the neighbors just got all the goods and we just got the leftovers, those flowery potatoes that have been in the ground too long. So sometimes in our lives, 
there's things or people where they see the potential, but they don't see the product. Don't nudge your spouse right now, if that's them in this room. (laughs) Hey, this morning, the title of my sermon is Natured Potential. Natured Potential. Not nurtured potential, but natured potential. And I'm going to unpack that as we go through this this morning. Hey, we've been in a series, a great series, a really phenomenal series that's ministered to me, and Pastor Will named it Hopin. It's not a real word. It's not a real word, but it is in Will's vocabulary. So Hopin pretty much means that hope would be opened in your life, that you'd understand the hope you have in Christ and you would align yourself with that hope and you would experience the joy of that. And of, like, of particular note, Will's really delved into this idea of having a renewed mind. That when we go to Christ, He renews our mind and we're aligned with the realities of heaven rather than the circumstance of earth. And we start to see fruit and we start to apply our faith to areas. So it's really been this idea of this renewed mind and hope. And it's this track that I want to continue on with this morning. I'd like to turn to Revelation 21.5. If you turn to Revelation 21.5 with me, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version this morning. It says, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. I'll read it again because it's short. Then he said, He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and fruitful. Keep that scripture in the back of your mind this morning. Well, I've been doing some observation lately of society, just watching how we work as a society as such. And it's incredible to see how much we are turning into a consumer society. Based on consumerism, we just consume this and we consume that and this, this, that, everything. We just want it all. So we live in this consumer society where we just throw away that which is broken in favor of just purchasing the new or getting the new. You see, our society is so geared towards it. Take your jeans, for example. Maybe your jeans have a little rip in them. They might even just be down the bottom or something in a very inconspicuous place. Maybe it's just down there. Or, or maybe your shirt, right? Your shirt has lost its button. Your poor shirt has lost its button. And instead of just getting going, like taking the time to fix your shirt and put that button on or sew your jeans, you're like, nah, they're no good. I'll just chuck them out and get a new one. So much easier just to get a new one. Or maybe it's like your jacket, right? You have this incredible winter jacket, but the zip's broken. And you're like, oh, I'll just go get a new one. Can't be bothered fixing that zip. Or I'll just wear it as a summer jacket now because now it has to be open. That's consumerism, right? What about we live in a technological age where we have computers and phones? But the thing is these days, there just seems to be so many updates, right, that within a period of like a year or two, your technology is running so slow. It's like, this is so frustrating. Why do they keep sending me updates? Why does it automatically update? And instead of taking the time to probably clean out a laptop or just work with it, we just go, nah, just get a new one. Just get a new one. Nothing really wrong with it apart from it's a bit slow. We'll just get a new one. What about the glad wrap dispenser with the cutter? Oh yeah, we're going there this morning. The glad wrap dispenser with the cutter, right? You know the thing where it's like that we place the thing and it's like, shoop, shoop. 
makes life so much easier. But the thing is they designed that so you could just buy the refill, right? You just buy the refill and put it in there and your cut is still good. But sometimes we're just like, oh, that's way too much hard work. I don't want to take the time to have to put that little fiddly thing in the box and then it doesn't even work and then, oh, it's just tragic. So I'm just going to throw the whole thing out and buy a new one. Maybe for your family, it's tomato sauce. Maybe at the start of the year, like, yeah, I'm purchasing that squeezy bottle of tomato sauce and I'm going to be a real good Kiwi and I'm just going to buy the cans and refill that squeezy bottle. But then a few months later, you look in your fridge and you've got four squeezy bottles of tomato sauce. You didn't hold to your word. You just decided, I'm just going to get lots of them. That's consumerism. I think the example of the home printer is like the epitomization of a consumer society, right? The home, the home printer, they make them, they're kind of flimsy to be honest, but they make these printers and it's great, but then you run out of ink and you're like, oh, I need to go buy new ink or get a refill. So you go to the store and you're like, sweet, going to get my ink refill. This is going to be great. And then while you're there, you realize that they're selling printers with complimentary ink at a lower price than it costs us to buy the ink refill. You're like, what? I'm going to just get a whole new unit. We did this as a family four times. We got four new printers because it was cheaper because you got the complimentary ink. So you just throw out that perfectly good printer in favor of this other printer with complimentary ink that is cheaper. Ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Who's heard of Justin Timberlake? Oh, JT. Wow. Apparently, there's a rumor, he can't be bothered to wash his underwear so he literally just puts on a new pair every day and throws the old pair in the bin. What? What? How much money does he spend on underwear? He's probably like Calvin Klein's as well or something. Not just your cheeky five pack. It's a consumer society, right? You see, and the problem is, is that this trend then continues on to the human health sector. And sometimes it's actually a good thing. It's like, hey, my hip's worn out. I'll just book in and get a new hip. Great. I can just get a new hip and I'm going to be walking all fresh as a daisy in a month's time. That's awesome. But what's not so great is when you're like, man, I can't be bothered putting in the work to do that exercise. So I'll just go get liposuction. Or maybe you're like, I'm kind of over my face. I might just go get plastic surgery. I want a new face. I'm just going to go do that, right? That's crazy, but that's the society we're starting to live in. We change our bodies. You see, the problem is, is that this consumer mindset has many implications on the environment and such. But the biggest problem I see is that we often carry this mindset of throwing out the broken in favor of buying the new. We carry that mindset into how we treat ourselves and how we treat others. We carry that consumer mindset into how we treat others and how we treat ourselves. You see, if a person is viewed to be damaged, we just throw them out like a broken phone. Man, you're damaged. I'll just throw you out like my broken phone and get a new friend. You see, society just marginalizes them. That's why we have prisons, out of sight, out of mind. Come on, you've been shown to have dysfunctional behavior. We'll just put you to the side where the brokenness isn't in our view. It's the same with rest homes. We put our old people in rest homes because sometimes we can't deal with the brokenness and the malfunction 
and it would actually be hard to have that in your household. It's incredibly sad. We're part of a society now that can't deal with brokenness, so we just put it to the side. Heavy stuff this morning, sorry. You see, you might have heard of public shaming. Public shaming's been present for years. Like in the Bible, we read about the story of the adulterous woman, right? They're throwing stones at her to publicly shame her. And Jesus comes along and changes that whole situation around. But then in history as well, we see people putting gallows and tomatoes thrown at them. We see them having to wear things around their neck to say like what they did wrong so that the society could come out and shame them for their brokenness and their malfunction. So it's not a new concept, but sadly it's become so prevalent through social media today. So prevalent. And we're currently living in a society that is beginning to ruin people's lives beyond the point that they can come back as a person. You see, cyberbullying is one of the greatest contributors to growing suicide rates. It's sickening how we're treating each other. It really is. So I did a study at uni last year that looked at the effect of online public shaming. And we found that there's some people who have had their reputation damaged so much online that it becomes almost impossible for them to ever get a job again or ever rent a house again. Because we all know now that employees, right, they go onto Facebook, they go onto Google, and if that thing just shows up straight away, they're gonna Google the name and here's all this damage. Here's all the things that people have said about this person or you can't get into a house because now you're not a trustworthy person. It might have been one moment. It might have been one comment on social media. That Twitter thing you wrote when you were half asleep and it's actually offensive and now you're getting ridiculed by thousands upon thousands of people. And that one moment now defines your whole character as what people look at. So when people are damaged, we just throw them out. Really sad. So that's others. What about ourselves? What about ourselves? We ourselves are broken. Or like if we ourselves are broken or malfunctioning, we are often so quick to give up on ourselves, to just metaphorically throw ourselves out. I'm no good. I'm useless. I'll never be used. You see, perhaps our soul was corrupt, so we just want to book ourselves in for a soul replacement like we do a hip replacement. Maybe we have a malfunctioning habit, so we just want to pop to the store and buy the alternative habit, right? And then I'm all good. Sweet, quick fix. See, even within the current series, we've been talking about this whole concept of a renewed mind. And maybe at the start, you're like, that's great. Come on, I'm believing God that He's going to renew my mind in some areas. But maybe you haven't actually been seeing that breakthrough over the last six weeks and you're beginning to doubt whether that's actually going to take place and you're about to throw yourself out because you don't think it's actually in you to renew that area. But please don't. God's not finished. God's not finished. You see, in the case of that unfinished project that we started with, there's always that one person who says, should have just bought a new one in the first place. Should have just bought a new one in the first place. Should have just bought a new bathroom in the first place. Should have paid to get a contractor in. Should have done this, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, stop. Stop saying that. Come on, there's power in the process. I'm learning here. I like doing the process. Yeah, the bathroom's not finished yet, yet, but it's going to look great. Come on, back me in the process. Don't just say, oh, should have just gone and bought a new one in the first place. Would have saved money, would have saved time. 
just would have been instant instead of having to put up with this. If that's you, stop it. Stop it. You see, as a society, we've become so fixated on the brand new that we no longer desire to spend the time to attend to the process of mending the broken things in ourselves and in our world. We've become so fixated on the brand new that we no longer attend to the process. You see, but in Revelation 21.5 that we started with, it does not say, behold, I make all new things. No, it says, behold, I make all things new. It doesn't say, behold, I make all new things. No, it says, behold, I make all things new. Come on, I'm so thankful that God is not a consumer, but the creator. Come on, he's not driven to consume, but he's actually driven to comfort. He never throws anyone out, whether they're broken or hurt or malfunctioning. He doesn't throw them out in the trash. Instead, he goes into the process of refurbishment, restoring and renewing that person. That's the God we serve. He's not a consumer. You see, our God is committed to the process of unveiling your potential. He's committed to the process of unveiling your potential. He's not a consumer. It says in his word, behold, I make all things new. Doesn't matter what the current state of any area of your life looks like. Come on, it's not beyond the power for God to make it new. That's a promise. That's a promise. This next point is something that I've been thinking about for a long time, but perhaps it hasn't quite landed. And I said in the first service, I hope it lands. I hope it lands. I hope God lands it in the service. And I pray that he lands it in this one too. So God, I pray for your wisdom right now. You see, lately I've been challenged on this idea of nurture versus nature. Nurture and nature. And we just went, at the start of the year, we went through the series called the Inside Out series, right? It was awesome, but it really highlighted to me this idea of nurture and nature. Who's the inner me and who's the outer me and do they align? And then this series has brought it all back up again because it's talking about our nature. It's talking about our mindsets. It's talking about who we are. So I've really been challenged on this idea of nature and nurture. You see, in my life, sometimes people indirectly or directly challenge my behavior and character the way I operate in various circumstances. You see, I'm doing an internship this year, and at the start of the year, you pretty much give the person the permission to call you out on your character throughout the year and develop things in you and go, yo, you don't operate so great in that circumstance. It's brutal. It's like, hey, Pastor Will, if you see anything, just call me out on it. Really tough, really tough, but it's actually really rewarding because it's, a process of humility and actually wanting to be a person who lives an abundant life and who's aligned with the character of God. So anyway, I've been challenged on this area. And recently I was challenged to develop the way in which I operate during busy time periods, so times of pressure. You see, I have a tendency to grow off grid as a sense. I just go into my little box and just attend to what I need to do. What Matt needs to do, Matt needs to get this task done, he needs to do this to succeed, he needs to do that. And in that process, I actually neglect everyone else. 
It's like, I go off the grid, my phone's not reachable, I need a, you can't actually talk to me for more than two minutes, and I'm still thinking about what I'm actually meant to be doing, and it's like, I just go off grid, right? That's the way I operate in times of pressure, which in turn actually neglects and isolates others, which in turn actually neglects myself as well, because I'm designed for community. So now my first response when this challenge comes against my character is to go, that's just my nature. That's just my nature. That's just who I am. That's my personality. You know, it's actually in my family. That's been in my family for years. You don't understand, Pastor Wall. That's been in my family for years. And actually, actually, if you look back into my history, it's probably one of the reasons I've been so successful in high school. Like, honestly, like, you know, while everyone else was doing the unnecessary things like partying and hanging out with friends, I was just achieving. I was just getting the task done. And all of a sudden, you just start defending your nature, right? It's just the way I am. When we get all our walls up, we get our walls up and we don't let it come in. Perhaps you've heard similar responses in others or perhaps even in yourself. Maybe in some people's lives, there's a pattern of pride, or there's a pattern of alcoholism, or dishonesty, or anger, or comparison, or inconsistency. And when it's challenged, they just say, it's my nature. It's just my nature. It's just the way I am. It's it's the nature of my family. Matt, you don't understand. It's been in my generations. I've been in my family for generations. It's just the way it is. That can't can't be broken. It's just who I am. And there are some benefits to it, but, you know, it's not going to change. It's who I am. But can I suggest this morning that those things are not dependent on your nature. They are from your nurture. They're not dependent on your nature. They're from your nurture. You see, your true nature is God's nature. Your true nature is God's nature. And those things are not Christ-like. They're not Christ-like. In my example, me isolating myself and in turn isolating others was not my original nature in Christ. It's a characteristic that has been cultivated in my nurture. I've cultivated that character by myself. I've had other influences that have cultivated that character in me, but it's not God-given. It's not my nature. It's not my nature. You see, it's a characteristic that's been cultivated in my nurture. And me working in isolation is not beneficial to myself or to anyone around me. Come on, I'm called to community. I was designed in community, created for community. So that behavior, that characteristic of going off grid and shutting down is not Christ-like and it's not helpful. That's not gonna lead me to a John 10, 10 life. That's not gonna be a life abundant. If I stay there and just say, that's just my nature. It's just who I am. There's actually a phenomenal study that's come out of the University of Otago. It's world leading. Uh, It's called the Dunedin Study. And it's based on a study that follows people, a whole bunch of people they did across a whole year. Literally anyone who was born in that year, they've followed all the way through their lifespan and done constant testing throughout the lifespan, right? So if they're still alive, they're still doing testing. And they recently, 
um, did a five-part documentary series that was uh, free to air on the findings that they've found so far. And it's honestly fascinating. If you want to go have a look at that, it's incredible because they're talking about genetics. They're talking about makeup as humans and how our environment affects us and how our nature affects us and all those things. So it's fascinating. So I recommend it. But they actually found a specific gene that predicts violent behavior and often results in criminal activity. So they now can identify that some people who have this gene are predisposed to criminal behavior and violent activity. But interestingly, the determinant of whether that person was involved in criminal and aggressive behavior was not the presence of the gene, but the environment of nurture. You can have the gene, but you may not have it expressed dependent on your nurture. You see, the the key researcher on this area who actually discovered this gene found out that he has this gene. He has this gene that predisposes him to violent behavior and criminal activity. So he's like, whoa, he was shocked by this, right? So he's then decided going back and looking to his family line and see what his history was. And he actually found that like prior generations leading up to his father, all of them were criminals. He had people in his family who were mass murderers. He had people in his family who'd had sex, who were sexual assaulters. He had all this criminal uh, behavior, right? Um, assault charges, everything. And it stopped at his father. So he has this gene, right? He has this gene that predisposes him, yet his environment of nurture meant that this gene was not expressed. And he'd never been involved in criminal activity before he's actually leading research on it. So these findings support and inform the normal societal approach to how we deal with brokenness, right? The normal societal approach is to say, let your nature be nurtured. Let your nature be nurtured. Get a coach to help you. And that certainly works. That certainly works. This whole profession is based on that. I don't, I'm not here to bag on that mindset. It really does work. We can really nurture things in people's lives. But the thing is, here's the thing. When I'm reading my Bible, I'm reading something that's subtly different to this idea. To this idea of let your nature be nurtured. What I'm reading is God saying, let your nurture be natured. What I'm reading is God saying, let your nurture be natured. Let that which has been corrupted by the world and fallen humanity be brought back to original intention, to the original nature of humanity found in Genesis prior to the fall. That's your nature. The nurture is the problem. The problem's not in the nature I gave you, it's in the nurture of this fallen world. The presence of sin, which affects all during their nurture, is the problem. In my case, the problem was my nurture, where I didn't want to be part of community, but my nature was designed in community in the garden. That was my true nature. You see, in Ephesians 4, 24, it says, Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. In other words, let your nurture be natured by God. Put on God's nature. Come on, you're created to be like God. Like God. Come on, you can be encouraged by a scripture this morning. You're awfully quiet. Awfully quiet. Come on, you can be encouraged by the Scripture this morning. My tendency to shut off is not who I'm always going to be in God. 
God is working with me to renew me back to my original nature in Him, back to a healthy state individually and corporately. Come on, I'm choosing to put on God's nature, my new nature to become more like Him, more like Him. Come on, there's hope in that. There's hope. If you're looking for hope, I recommend going no further than looking at Simon Peter, the disciple Simon Peter. He's an incredible person to look for if you need some hope. You see, externally, Peter appears to have some nature problems, some serious nature problems. He's brash, he's radical, he doesn't know when to control himself, he's got a a loose tongue. You see, in Matt 16.22, Peter rebukes Jesus for speaking of his own death. What? He rebukes Jesus. Man, this guy's brave. You see, and Jesus replies with, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Who knows that naturally you might go, that's a character flaw. Man, he got that really wrong. What about when Peter got a bit gung-ho in John 18.10? He cut off the ear of a servant of the high priest with a sword. Jesus is like, what are you doing? Put the sword away. Come on, we've been walking together for how many years now? Have you ever seen me get my sword out? No, put your sword away. What are you doing? You see, and then there was that time in Matthew 26, 33, where Peter was boasting about the fact that he would never forsake the Lord. That John, don't trust that John, Jesus. Man, he's, he's, he'll probably forsake you, but not, never me. Man, I'm the, I'm the trustworthy one here, Jesus. I've always got your back. Don't trust John, but you can trust me. But then literally, just moments later, we see that he denies three, Jesus not once, but three times. And he does it to a little servant girl. A little servant girl. This man couldn't even confess that he knew the Lord Jesus Christ in that moment when just moments earlier he'd said, I will never forsake you. And he got, proud, he got proud about it. So Peter appears to have some nature problems, some character flaws as such, you know. But here's the truth that God knows. God knows it's just nurture and God's nature can heal all that's broken and causing misfunction and make Peter new. He knows it's just nurture and his nature can bring Peter back to a restored function. This morning, let's read Matt, Matthew Yes, of Salmon. Matthew 16, 13 to 20, if you want to turn with me to that one. Awesome. It's titled Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and by blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, 
And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples, do not tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Such a great verse, especially for Peter. You see, Peter was formerly known as Simon. Simon was the name given to him by his earthly father and mother. So the man Simon was a product of his nurture. He was a product of his nurture. Simon means reed-like or grass-like, which actually hints at his human weaknesses and his tendencies to be blown about by the seasons. He was very rash. Whatever way the wind was blowing, so Peter was going. If the environment suggested aggression, he was the first one to be aggressive. If the environment suggested that he needed the right answer, he'd boast about it. That was Peter. He was very blown about by the season. But you see, Jesus calls out potential when he gives him the name Peter, meaning rock. Peter goes from reed to rock. And all he did, all he did to be renamed, to go from reed to rock, all he did was just recognize and acknowledge the Savior. He didn't do anything else. He just recognized the true Messiah. You see, the man Peter, the rock, could not result from nurture. He could only result from nature. He could not result from nurture. He could only result from nature. He didn't strive to change. He aligned himself with change. With the very nature that would bring him back to his original nature in Christ. Peter goes from reed to rock. You see, the crazy thing is, is that after this incredible moment where Peter just gets it so right, he then goes and gets it so wrong. He goes and makes one of the biggest blunders probably recorded in the Bible, literally straight after in Matthew 16, 21 to 23, it says this, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Whew. Peter's just been gone from getting his new name, his new nature, to being get behind me, Satan. Ouch. Ouch. Maybe perhaps you feel like Peter sometimes. Maybe you've just received a word from God. Or maybe you've just experienced a victory in an area of your life. But you have a setback, right? You have a failing. And then that which was declared over you or the potential that was born in you in that moment no longer seems true. You see, through Peter's failings, he may have doubted that he could be who Christ really called him to be. Simon showed up very soon after he was called Peter. It's pretty hard to deal with things in life when Simon keeps showing up when you think God's called you to be Peter. But you see, Peter was the guy picked for potential, not credential. He was the guy picked for potential, not credential. Someone needs to hear that this morning. 
Come on, you're picked not for your current credentials, but for your potential. You're picked for your potential. God sees the broken, but it's not who you are. It's not who you are. It's your nurture. It's not your nature. It's your nurture. It might have come through your nurture, but it's certainly not your nature. All you have to do is acknowledge Christ and let your nurture be natured. Let your nurture be natured. Come on, we talked about the consumer mindset. Don't apply the consumer mindset this morning. Come on, it says in God's Word that He will make all things new. That He will make all things new. What makes you think you can exclude yourself from the category of all this morning? What makes you think you fall outside the category of all? When God says all, He means all. He's going to make all things new. That's you. You're included in all. You're included in all. Man, you're awfully quiet this morning. Awfully quiet this morning. Come on, this is the good news. This is the gospel. This is Christ working in your life. This is you not dying to yourself. This is Him raising you to life. Come on, this is the good news. Can we just lift up a praise to God this morning? Thank you, God. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for your word and that you're working in us. We thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's not throw ourselves out. Christ has created us to be new. I believe as a society, we've come to misunderstand the word potential, to misunderstand what potential really means. You see, in my experience, society has come to define potential as an undefined future, to define potential as an undefined future. We tell high school students, man, you just have so much potential, you could do anything. You have so much potential, you could do anything. There may not be one thing, but man, you can do anything. It becomes an undefined future, right? But often potential is perceived as something only the young possess. That's wrong. Potential doesn't end at the age of 30. Potential is not just for your young adult years where you're being defined. Potential is always alive. You see, when potential is thought of as an undefined future, it leads those who are older to believe they don't have potential because they are defined. They are settled with how life is and who, what they do. Or perhaps, alternatively, they don't believe they have potential because they are confined. The constraints of life mean that they must settle in their current reality. They've got things they need to attend to. There's, con- there's like a confined spirit over their life, which means potential is not an option. They've just got to keep doing whatever they're doing. But here's the thing. Potential is not about whether we are defined or confined, but rather God's ability to refine us to refine us. Potential is not about whether we are defined or confined, but rather God's ability to refine us. Come on, everyone has potential. If there's a dedicated worker who knows how to cultivate Christ's nature to cultivate truth and remove lies in our lives. Every car has the potential to be brought back to life if the mechanic has the time and knows how to clean and mend and renew its parts back to original function. Come on, God is the dedicated mechanic in our lives, dedicated to cultivating Christ's potential if we let Him. All we must do is acknowledge Him and let Him refine us. Everyone has potential. You see, potential only ends when Christ can no longer change your life. 
the only moment where you don't have potential is where you've said, Christ, I can't be changed. That's the death of potential in your life. But if you are aware that God can change you, there's hope for potential in your life still. You always have potential if you have the ability to hear and the heart to obey. Abraham and Sarah had the potential to have a child at a ridiculous age because they had ears to listen and a heart to obey. Age was not a factor for them because they had ears to listen and a heart to obey. It took some years to align that, but they saw it. It wasn't just potential, it became reality. Come on, God does not think of potential as an undefined future, but rather calls out potential as destiny. The potential for Peter to become the rock on which the church was built on was not potential in God's eyes. It may have been potential in Peter's eyes, but it wasn't in God's eyes. It was Peter's destiny. The potential for Abraham and Sarah to have a child was not a it might happen thing. In God's eyes, it was their destiny. It was the destiny for us to be born out of that. Why could God be so assured? Why was He so assured that this is their destiny? Because God is the dedicated worker who knows how to cultivate the original nature in your life and draw out your potential. He's not going anywhere. He doesn't ditch you halfway through the season. He stays with you in it all. He is the worker and that's why He can be assured. Because even if you give up on yourself, He's not giving up on you. And He's gonna speak again until you get it again. He, until you align yourself with change, He's gonna keep cultivating. He's just gonna keep going and He's going to keep saying, come on, put on my new nature. Put on the new nature. Put on your new nature so it becomes reality. If you read on in the New Testament, you'll get to 1 Peter. 1 Peter is a letter written, obviously, by Peter. And it's written later on in his life when he's a lot older. And it's actually during a a period of intense persecutions of Christians in Rome by the Emperor Nero. See, Nero was sick. He'd literally get Christians and dip them in hot wax and tie them to a tree and light them on fire to light the way to his lavish parties. That's the kind of environment and context with which Peter is writing this letter. And it's crazy because if you read in chapter one, verse three, it says, praise the Lord. I don't know how he managed to put that small, three words in that context. His brothers and sisters are dying on trees. Nero actually had another technique where at his dinner parties he'd had for entertainment, he'd have a a cage of brutal dogs and he'd put Christians in there and the dogs would just maul them as they're eating their meal. That's the context of which Peter is writing. It's crazy. And in it, if you read Peter, you see that Peter's nature has so radically changed to align with God that he is now the one encouraging God's nature in others' lives. In 1 Peter 5.10, it tells the testimony of God's faithfulness in the process of Peter's potential. It says, The God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Strong, firm, and steadfast sound a lot like the rock Jesus prophesied. You see, Peter's potential has been realised and he's now the rock. I'm so thankful that the rock was present where the devil wanted the reed. 
in a context where Christians are getting persecuted left, right and centre, I'm so thankful that Peter the Rock was there to write a letter instead of Simon the Reed. Simon the Reed would have folded, but Peter the Rock had the nature of Christ, so he stood firm. He stood firm. Come on, we can be thankful that Peter was the rock then. He held on to Jesus. He let his potential continually be natured. He certainly didn't get it all right. We read about that so many times. There's plenty of times he would have felt like giving up on himself. There's plenty of times he would have felt more like Simon than Peter, but he didn't fold. He let God continually nature his nurture. You see, God using you is not dependent on you perfecting you. It's about Him renewing you. It's not about what you can do for you. It's about what He can do for you. When Peter recognised the Saviour, he was aligning himself with change. He wasn't trying to change himself. Come on, don't apply the consuming mindset to yourself this morning. Don't throw yourself out. Don't just strive to change your brokenness. Instead, let God nature your nurture. Let Him bring you back to original attention. Let Him bring you back to a John 10.10 life, a life of abundance. Let Him call out those prophecies He's had over you, those one that you shelved years ago. Bring it back out and let, let Him nature it so then it becomes a reality. God didn't give you that as a maybe. He gave you that as a destiny. Come on, why don't we stand as we close this morning? To end, it says in Philippians 1.6, it says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion. Don't write yourself off. God's still working. Even when you're battling, He's still working. Behold, I am making all things new. All things new. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, I thank You that you are the dedicated worker who cultivates your nature in our lives. I thank you that you've called each and every one of us to a destiny. I thank you, Lord, that it doesn't matter what the malfunction of our nurture is doing. You can always overcome it with your nature. God, we choose to align ourselves with your nature this morning, with your change that can be brought about through your name. We recognise you as the Saviour. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. right now, I pray against doubt. I pray that your faith would rise up right now, Father God. I pray that everybody would jump back in the category of all this morning. It says in your word that you will make all things new. We humble ourselves and we accept your word this morning. We do not be prideful, Father God, but we align ourselves with that doesn't matter what current state we're in, you can make it new, Father. We thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.